sleep to be at the top of your game requires that you experience five different types of brain waves every single night. Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir. Thanks again for being here for the latest episode of the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Now, I have a very special guest for you today. This was the shortest span I've ever had to set up an interview. I emailed my guest and almost immediately he responded, giving me a time that would work for the next day. Honestly, I wasn't even expecting a response. That's how prestigious he is. But I was absolutely blown away when he gave me a time the next day. I said yes, I was going to do whatever I had to to talk to him. And we had the most wonderful chat. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode and learn so much. So who is this guest of mine? Are you ready for one of the most impressive bios you've ever heard? My guest today is Dr. James Mars. He's an internationally recognized authority in sleep and performance. He conducts research on sleep and performance, as well as leadership and critical thinking. He's won multiple awards in his years as a professor, including the American Psychological Association Distinguished Teaching Award for being the nation's outstanding educator. He's produced nine national TV specials, which have won 44 major film festivals. He's one of the world's most sought-after corporate, medical, and professional athletic team speakers, and he frequently appears on national television shows such as The Today Show, NBC Nightly News, CNN, and wait for it, Oprah. He's also a New York Times best-selling has a New York Times best-selling book, which is Sleep for Success, in addition to some other books you'll hear him talk about. So today, Dr. Jim and I are going to talk about how to determine if you're getting enough sleep using a five-question survey, which he asked during the interview so you can find out for yourself, just how damaging sleep deprivation can be, and actually it was kind of scary with the findings he had, and the four golden rules of sleep. We are talking to the inventor of the phrase power nap. You're going to learn so much in this interview, and it really will change the way you look at sleep forever. So let's meet Dr. James Mars. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Jim. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. And I'm very excited to kind of dive into this topic a little more. But could you first tell us just a little about um, your background? I mean, I've gone over your accomplishments in the intro, but if you could just tell us about um, your experience with runners. I know you've worked with MSU, Cross Country and Charlevoix High School, but just a little about how you've worked with runners in the past. Well, I started working with athletes uh, when I began my professorship at Cornell University. I had the pleasure of teaching 65,000 Cornell undergraduates <laughs> in my 48 years on the faculty there. And uh, not only did I have a class uh, every year of 2,000 of these students, but a good number of them were athletes. <laughs> so I noticed that... Uh, as scintillating as my lectures were with slides and films and humor, uh, still some people tended to fall asleep, especially when I was talking about sleep, a very soporific topic. And I noticed in particular many of the kids who were asleep for a 10 o'clock class were athletes, athletes who had 
6 or 6.30 a.m. morning practice, who had two-a-day practices in some cases. And so not only was I interested in academic performance or sleepy students, but I started to get interested in athletic performance as well. So I studied everybody from uh, women and men's ice hockey teams to wrestling uh, to football, to cross country, and to track. And because track and cross country are easily objectified in terms of performance, mm -hmm. uh, you have times. <laughs> and unlike uh, a lineback fullback where uh, you might get uh, some objective data, uh, many of athletic performers, especially on teams where everything is played with anywhere from 6 to 11 people or more at once, it's hard to know when you're improving or when we do manipulations, uh, whether we're having an effect, whether we can really pinpoint that effect. So that's how I got interested in, uh, in athletics performance. And uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, as far as a runner, was uh, several years ago, I met a young lady, a rising freshman in high school, in a resort town in northern Michigan called Charlevoix, Michigan. Mm -hmm. I had a public lecture in the evening at the town library, and this little girl showed up. Her name's Amber Way. And after I talked about sleep and performance, she came up to me and she said, I'm going to try out as a freshman for cross-country and track. And the coach said to me, well, you know, you're little, you're young, you haven't, your body hasn't really matured. Don't expect to participate too much as a freshman. Maybe by sophomore or junior year, you'll be of use to us. <laughs> well, little Amber took to heart what I said, and I told her about certain gadgets that we had that would measure accurately every second of her night, and uh, questionnaires that would enable me to see whether she's sleeping properly. I asked her how many hours of sleep she was getting, and uh, she said maybe about seven, and then in the course of my lecture, I said, Athletes, especially young, from puberty to 24, need nine and a quarter hours of sleep every single night to be fully alert and have their A game all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you were sleeping two hours too little if you really want to perform. Well, she took all of my uh, hints and strategies, which we can talk about, Dina, uh, at heart. And her freshman year, she broke five all-time high school records for her wow. high school in cross-country and track. And sophomore year, uh, she, in the 3200K, set the all-time Division three high school record for the entire state of Michigan. Wow. And Michigan's competitive as well. It's not like it's a, it's a tough uh, running state. So that's impressive. Right. In fact, uh, the, the best cross-country and track team wins uh, in the state, in fact, in the nation, mm -hmm. is Michigan State University. So she was given a scholarship uh, this year to go to Michigan State. 
uh, her coach said again, uh, we probably won't use you very much as, as a freshman. And then he changed her mind after a few trial meets this fall <laughs> and even put her as a freshman on their travel team. And uh, Walt Drenches, who is the, uh, the coach, yep. told me that uh, Amber is just incredible. It's the first time he's ever made use freshman on a team that every year wins the NCAA Division One championship for the United States. And so uh, Anne will tell you that what made a huge difference in her running was adding sleep. And we at Cornell and at my colleagues at Stanford had done so many experiments where we just add one more hour to what a student is sleeping, much less two or three, which is what they really need. And after just one more hour, uh, they're faster, their reaction time is better, uh, their fatigue is less, their energy levels go way up, all sorts of things, glucometabolism, uh, immunity, uh, that are really essential for general health well-being, much less performance on the track uh, or on a cross-country course. Uh, are are significantly affected and literally overnight. My other kind of fun story was I was asked two years ago to participate in a Vail, Colorado uh, symposium mm-hmm. on wellness, and all the speakers were paired with other people who were either physicians or or um, sports heroes or CEOs or health gurus. Or, and I was paired with uh, a young woman, and she asked me before we went on, because we did uh, uh, one speech followed by another speech each an hour in length, uh, held by a moderator. And uh, she asked me, this young woman said, what are you going to talk about? In the green room, she's asked me this, and I said, well, I'm going to talk about sleep and and performance. And uh, she said, oh, I'm fascinated in that. I'm getting a little bit older, and I I think sleep is affecting me. And I said, what are you going to talk about? And she said, well, I like to run. Mm -hmm. And I was about to ask her the follow-up to that question, and Natalie Morenis, who from uh, the Today Show, was our moderator, and Natalie comes into the groom room, grabs us, and says, we're on right now. So I never got a chance to ask my colleague uh, anything about why she likes to run or anything running. So I have my speech, then Natalie uh, introduces my teammate, and she says, this is a woman who won the Boston Marathon three <laughs> years in a row. <laughs> this is Uda Pipping. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, you like to run, yeah, do you? <laughs> it's an understatement. <laughs> and so Uta is a wonderful woman, and she was uh, so informative. But she told me later, she said, uh, that I had started to increase my sleep, just like you talked about, and I'm really much faster and much stronger. Wow, that's great. And uh, that that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, good stories to begin with, and especially kind of brings it home that, um, you know, you have worked with runners and you've got had some great findings. So you mentioned about, um, you know, up to 24 needing nine and a quarter hours um, sleep, but what about uh, above that? And, 
is there a way of determining how much you need? Like the more miles you run, do you need more? Or is it kind of like you're put in a bucket once you get to, you know, once you start training, you kind of just need more sleep? Well, everybody is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, as individuals, we have different needs. The sleep need is based on genetic inheritance. If both of your parents were short sleepers and let's say six hours and were wide awake and energetic all day long, maybe you are one of the lucky 5% or less that can perform well under minimal sleep. The average adult needs somewhere between seven and a half and nine hours. And as a rule of thumb, most athletes need at least one more hour from what they're getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, runners, especially long-distance runners, are probably going to need more. But since sleep affects your reaction time, your stamina, uh, your situational awareness, everybody really needs as much sleep as they can possibly get. Uh, how do you know whether you're at that point? Well, if you're wide awake and energetic all day long, you're probably there. But uh, we can ask you a few questions, and most people uh, tend to flunk this test <laughs> because asking a person directly how much sleep do you get and uh, how awake you are has no bearing whatsoever on how awake you really are uh, because although we're not lying, we just don't know subjectively uh, how it feels to be fully awake all day long. So. Let's have our listeners respond to these five questions. These are pretty good predictors of how you would make out in the sleep lab an array of 14 electrodes measuring your alertness or lack thereof in every second of your night's sleep. Okay, here we go. Does a warm room, a boring meeting, a heavy meal, or a low dose of alcohol make you drowsy? Number two, do you fall asleep within five minutes of getting into bed? Number three, do you need an alarm clock to wake up? Number four, do you hit the snooze bar repeatedly? And lastly, do you sleep extra hours on the weekend? Answer yes to any two or more of those questions and consider yourself pathologically sleep deprived. And that's a shocker to most people. Although I have to say, I actually answered no to every single one of those, and I am convinced I don't get enough sleep. So I'm curious. I I was looking through your uh, presentations earlier, and uh, I came across that, and I said no to each of them. So it makes me wonder, but I I thought I didn't get enough sleep, but now you've made me uh, wonder that maybe I am in that small percentage. Um, uh, it could be, but if you've got sleep issues, Tina, mm-hmm. uh, they can be caused... Uh, by a, a number of things that yeah. are disrupting your sleep. You might feel okay now, and, and you might uh, think none of these things are disturbing you. But the question is, if we added more sleep and we solve whatever insomnia issues you're experiencing right now, mm-hmm. uh, you might even be more energetic yeah. than yeah. you could believe, and even a faster runner yeah than you are, and and we've proven this time and time again. Most doctors can only name, at best, five sleep disorders. There are 89 differentially diagnosable sleep disorders, 
and uh, some of them have to do with uh, just plain sleep deprivation, which is what that particular questionnaire is supposed to mm-hmm. diagnose. Uh, but there are so many other sleep disorders that uh, are caused by physiological things like uh, bacterial myoclonus, leg syndrome, um, REM behavior disorder that really require analysis and therapeutic measures. Mm-hmm. And what about, um, okay, so say someone is in bed and um, they are, you know, they can't quite fall asleep, but if they're just lying there, is that, like, how do you count the hours of sleep? Does it, is it as soon as you get into bed or is it, you know, if someone was lying awake, um, is is that actually helping them recover or do you need to kind of be in, like, dreaming and, like, a, you know, in a deep sleep for that to be counted as one of the, like, good hours of sleep? Now, we're talking about sleep sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, what we do is... Uh, explain to people that waking is very simple. It's one brainwave. But sleep, to be at the top of your game, requires that you experience five different types of brainwaves every single night to be physiologically, psychologically, emotionally prepared. Five different types of brainwaves. Relaxing with your eyes closed uh, is beneficial, but it's not the type of sleep you need for uh, ultimate peak performance. So what we do is we measure your time in bed, how long it takes you to go to sleep. The person who's not very efficient uh, takes a long time. But if somebody says, I fall asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow, uh, or as soon as I'm on the airplane, uh, uh, before they even close the cabin door, I'm a great sleeper. That is complete nonsense huh. because the well-rested sleeper takes 20 minutes to go to sleep. It would be like saying I'm a great eater, put a 14-course French meal in front of me. I'll have it gone in two minutes. <laughs> That's not a sign of good nutrition. That's a sign of starvation. Yeah. Likewise, if you fall asleep instantly, that means you are seriously pathologically in need of more sleep. So it it behooves us not to send you to an expensive sleep lab for an all-night sleep recording, but to use a really good in-home device to get you a, an approximation of how well and how efficient your sleep is, a device that will measure sleep latency, how long it takes you to go to sleep, uh, how deep your sleep is, how much REM sleep you're getting, how much light sleep you're getting, how many times you were up during the night, whether you uh, knew it or not, uh, how long it takes you to go back to sleep once you are up during the night, and your total sleep length. It also gives you an algorithm, a good instrument, which is a measure of the quantity and quality of your sleep into a percent. So if you get... Uh, a percentage of sleep efficiency and effectiveness of 60%, that's not good enough. You want uh, the hours you spend in bed to be the same as the sleepy phase of your circadian rhythm and the hours you spend up uh, in the awake phase of your circadian rhythm. And so the only way you do that is 
uh, outside of the sleep lab and do it accurately uh, is to use, you know, certain devices. Now, people are crazy about data, especially runners. They, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you run with the Fitbit, you run with the up, you run with, you know, God knows what, the Apple iWatch. And those things are great for daytime. However, all of these things are wearables. And as far as their ability to accurately measure sleep, they're absolute junk. There is no, no coordination, no correlation between most of these wearable gadgets and the gold standard of what actually happens during the night, which is the laboratory electrode array. And I think it's unfortunate. Also, I think it's unfortunate that many of these wearables don't give you advice if they say, okay, you had a lousy night's sleep, which may or may not be accurate, usually not. Uh, They don't tell you what to do about it. They just said, you know, oh, too bad. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the reason that these are not accurate is they make an assumption, if, if you're having a wearable, that if you're not moving, you're asleep. And if you are moving in bed, you're not asleep. Nothing could be further from the truth. Hmm. Nor do these wearable gadgets measure brain waves or even a correlative brain waves to tell you how light and how deep your sleep is. Now, the alternatives are, and let me just parenthetically state, when the advertising first came out for the iWatch, the Apple Watch, uh, it talked about measuring sleep. Well, the team, and I was a consultant to that team, but uh, the team discovered that they, in finalizing the product, couldn't get a really accurate measure of sleep because it's a wearable. Yeah. And so they dropped it from the advertising and they dropped it from the watch itself. Hopefully, they're working on uh, measures that well tap in to what the brain is doing and uh, give us a more accurate device. Meanwhile, uh, my favorites that seem to be pretty darn good, one is called the Bedit, B-E-D-D-I-T. Okay. And you can look at it at bedit.com. It's a thin adhesive strip that goes on your mattress but under your sheets and blankets. And uh, you put it in the area that the low part of your shoulder blade would hit if you were flying up, if you're lying on your back. And you turn on your iPhone and put it on the nightstand. You sync it up with the bedit. You don't even have to turn it on or off when you get in or out of bed. It does it automatically. And it measures heart rate uh, and uh, respiration, uh, snoring, and a pretty darn good estimate of uh, not only length of sleep, time it took you to go to sleep, but sleep efficiency and effectiveness. Does it have to, do you have to be lying on your back for it to work or does that No, work? no. Okay. No, just uh, to show you where, where I want you to place it okay. <laughs> or your body. <laughs> and uh, no, uh, we turn and toss about 70 times a night. Mm-hmm. So a good measure like, like the uh, Bennett has to be able to pick up. Okay. Uh, any any movement, but uh, 
it works a lot better than a wearable as far as accuracy. Uh, so, and there's one other uh, sleep technology that I think is very promising, and that's a product uh, by Resmed, R-E-S-M-E-D dot com, and their product is called the S Plus, and that works uh, through uh, infrared in measuring uh, all sorts of good variables accurately. So either one of those gadgets, which are anywhere from 100 to $200, uh, should give a runner a really good picture of her or his uh, sleep effectiveness. Okay, great. Thank you. And I will put links to those on the show notes at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC81. So you can check that out as well. So, okay. There so is, one... Tina, if I could oh. just add while we're on this topic yeah, of, sure. of gadgets. First of all, you've got to get a good pillow. Mm-hmm. A pillow that your head, your neck, and the spinal cord in a straight line as if you were standing up. And we all have different body shapes. So, and we all have different sleep habits. So I want to know whether you start your evening on your side, your back, or your stomach, and then go get a pillow that is commensurate with your beginning sleep position. Okay. And it can make a heck of a lot of difference. The pillow should be hypoallergenic, dust mite proof, uh, uh, you know, antibacterial as far as infections and bugs. And to keep your head in a fabric that keeps your head cool for at least 30 minutes to help you go to sleep. And uh, you can find those pillows uh, at Bed Bath & Beyond. Mm -hmm. And they will make a heck of a difference. They're the only pillow that that we've really tested uh, for its effectiveness in uh, in sleep labs. And uh, the other the other thing that I think is very helpful to any runner, especially all the runners I talk to, or most all of them say, oh, I run first thing in the morning because I've got a full-time job. And Mm -hmm. the only time I have, given my family and my work, is to run first thing in the morning. Well, running first thing in the morning is pretty far away from your nocturnal sleep (laughs) to really affect the quality of your sleep. Uh, We used to say you should never run in the morning. Well, the new research shows, well, morning running is effective only if, number one, you stretch for 20 or 30 minutes before you start running because uh, your body is so prone to uh, injury uh, accidents when you're half asleep or your body isn't really warmed up to start doing some serious running. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is... Sometimes we're literally running in our sleep because we're so sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go running at 6 or 6.30 in the morning, count back uh, seven, eight, or nine hours to uh, to see where you have to go to bed. I have people set their alarm clocks not for the time they have to wake up, but the time they have to go to bed and be in bed in order to get uh, their sleep requirement in or, or nine hours of sleep. And if I could just add to a comment we made before, uh, you'll know that you've reached your ultimate in sleep uh, when you cut back, let's say, 15 minutes from what you think you're doing, and it's fine, and see if you're tired. And uh, if you are, then you know that you've reached uh, your ultimate. But if you are still tired during the midday dip in typical alertness, 
if your fatigue throughout the day, any of that, that should be a signal to start adding 15 more minutes every night for a week. And if at the end of the week you're not fully alert, add another 15 the next week. Uh, now, how do you get up early in the morning if your circadian rhythm, especially with young runners, uh, is such that uh, the growth hormone doesn't get to secrete it until around midnight or 1? So even though you're really tired, like high school and college students, you can't fall asleep. And it's because the growth hormone, while is very important to us, uh, blocks the secretion of melatonin, so when you turn off the lights, you can't get to sleep. Mm-hmm. So Chuck Seisler at Harvard has discovered that the time for the teenage brain through 24, 25 years of age to go to sleep maximally is 3 in the morning and to get up at 11 in the morning. And, of course, we have schools and colleges giving 8 and 9 o'clock classes, which is in the middle of their night. So what do you do? You have to change your circadian rhythm so you're tired earlier at night so you can get up and run in the morning or go to school. And the only way to do that effectively is to use what we call a light book edge, L-I-T-E-B-O-O-K dot com. And that little light book is the size of an iPhone. It has daylight spectrum lighting in it. And we tell you when you first get up, uh, before you do anything else, either you get outside if it's bright and sunny out for 15 to 20 minutes or use this light book two feet away from you at a 45-degree angle shining on your eyes, but you don't want to stare at it, and it will shift you from a night person to a morning person hmm. so you can get your required amount of sleep. And it's the greatest, and I mean the greatest, cure for jet lag. Uh didn't have to do with running, but it had to do uh, with hockey, which involves a lot of speed. Uh, we just took uh, two things, two events. One, the Canadian men's ice hockey team had to go to Sochi uh, in Russia mm-hmm. from the United States, and they only had 48 hours to adapt to a 10-hour time zone shift, which usually takes 10 days. Yep. They didn't have 10 days. They had 48 hours. So by judicious exposure to light books uh, on the plane and in Russia, we were able to shift the biological clock uh, to Sochi time in 48 hours, and we came out with 36 cold medals. And recently, uh, just a week ago, the Miami Dolphins football team played the New York Jets in London, uh, as an exhibition game, and uh, the Jets listened to all of our techniques for conquering jet lag, and they, the Dolphins did not make our advice, <laughs> and the game was a complete blowout. Wow. Uh, the, the the Jets in the first half uh, looked like uh, they were on, uh, and they weren't, <laughs> they were on steroids or whatever, and Miami Dolphins, according to the New York Times, uh, said Miami Dolphins look like a crumpled shirt in an overhead carry-on. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the way uh, it went. And if you're, you know, if you're running uh, the same, and 
crossing time zones to go to a meet. Yeah, exactly. Especially more than three hours away from your home, uh, you're going to be hit by all the deleterious consequences Mm -hmm. of jet lag. Mm -hmm. And there is a workaround, and we have it. And it's so that is the the light book edge, or is this there, there's other advice I'm guessing in your book, The Power of Sleep? Well, this is the light book edge, that's yeah. our newest and our greatest uh, uh, solution. Okay. Uh, but they're also uh, in uh, in our latest book for athletes called uh, Sleep to Win. Okay, uh, it has uh chapters on jet fatigue, uh, but on everyday life okay, great. and on, and on nutrition, on exercise, uh, alcohol, drugs, everything the athlete needs to know. We wrote it as a fable because many professional athletes either can't read because, you know, they're from Eastern Europe or whatever and have difficulty or they don't like to read a scientific treatise. So we just wrote it as a fable based on our case histories and uh, you can read it within an hour yeah. uh, you can get it uh, at major bookstores or amazon.com it's called sleep to win by myself and Haley davis and uh, we find teams and say it's a godsend no oh, that's great i'll definitely be putting a link to that on the show notes and uh thank you for sharing that i, I did not know that was out so that's a uh, great of you to bring it up and Okay, so if someone has determined that they are sleep deprived and they, you know, said yes to the factors you were talking about earlier, do you have any thoughts on uh, why that is? Like, I'm just trying to think about, you know, um, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, when, you know, uh, survival was like a real concern. Do you think people slept better then or is it always been like that or... Yeah, Tina, we we, we know that mm-hmm. people slept around ten hours. So what is the uh, why before is it? Edison turned on the lights? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> and, so it has the lights correlate to it. Yeah, uh, the industrial revolution, and mm-hmm. and you know we're in a twenty four seven society now, and uh, people have to realize that they have to value sleep. Sleep is now treated as a luxury; it's a necessity. There are serious, deleterious consequences of not getting adequate sleep. Uh, there's daytime drowsiness at inappropriate times. Micro-sleeps where uh, you could be driving a car and with your eyes wide open, you could be fully asleep for up to 90 seconds at a time. In fact, we have a case history of a gentleman who went to a track meet in London. He was working Wall Street in the United States, and he couldn't leave until... Uh, the night before the meet, and he had to take the red eye, and uh, he was in a meet around, started around uh, his event around 8 in the morning, and uh, he was right next to the starting gun, and the second the starting gun went off, he had a microsleep. He never heard it. <laughs> a year's training went to waste wow. because he was sleep-deprived. But anyway, what happens... When you're sleep deprived, is that you have a significant increase in heart disease, that's the heart attacks and strokes, type 2 diabetes, irritability, anxiety, depression, weight gain, cancer. We now know sleep deprivation can cause breast cancer and colorectal cancer. It lowers your immunity, so you're going to get colds, you're going to get the flu, you lose your sense of humor. You lose any interest in socialization, 
skills or teamwork, you lose your reaction time, your motor skills, and you have a reduced ability to process, concentrate, remember, communicate, mm-hmm. to be creative, to think critically. You make stupid decision skills and some reduced health and performance. And the best predictor we have of how long you're going to live is not exercise and it's not nutrition, although they're important. It is the quality and quantity of your sleep. Wow, that's amazing. And I guess, yeah, that really brings it home of how just how important it is. And what advice do you have for someone who, you know, you know, is trying to get into bed or is trying to sleep and they, you know, are in there, but they've kind of almost got themselves so worked up that they can't fall asleep and then they know they can't fall asleep. Is there any advice you have for someone who, you know, has the good intentions, but just can't let go of, you know, that whatever they're thinking about? Absolutely. It's a great question. The number one cause of insomnia is stress. So we have to reduce stress. There are a lot of books out there. Uh, I happen to favor uh, ours. Sleep <laughs> for Success is the, uh, is the bigger book written for the layperson that goes over all of these strategies on on how to sleep. Uh, uh, number one, determine your sleep need, meet it every night. Number two, go to bed and get up at the same time Monday through Friday, including the weekends, uh, because we have one biological clock, not one for the work week, one for the weekends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number three, get one long block of continuous sleep, not an hour in the easy chair after dinner, a few more hours later in bed. And then a whole list of sleep strategies of uh, the bedroom environment, quiet, dark, and cool. No caffeine after 2 in the afternoon. It ruins REM sleep. No alcohol within three hours to bedtime. Getting plenty of exercise, mental and physical exercise, uh, getting a proper pillow, getting a proper mattress, the use of techniques like yoga and relaxation therapies, all of these are outlined in both Sleep for Success and Sleep to Win. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, while we get all sorts of education in our health classes, starting in elementary school about nutrition and exercise, nobody is talking about sleep. And yeah. that's very unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, that's one of the primary reasons I wanted to kind of go over this topic is I am discovering how important it is. And what about when it comes to napping? Like I'm thinking about like new mothers or fathers that, you know, they can't have that big block of sleep. Is there importance in the power nap or do you want to, what are your thoughts on napping during the day? Well, I wrote a whole book on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a guy, uh, <laughs> And I wish I had a penny for every time somebody uses the term. Uh, Forty years ago, I invented the term power nap. The whole concept is mine. Wow. Uh, I defined it as I was working as a consultant for IBM, and, and they were talking about power lunches and power breakfasts. And I said, rather than a coffee or Coke break, which is going to ruin your sleep that night, why not take what I defined at that time as a power nap? And something that shouldn't last more than 10 or 15 minutes, 30 minutes at the most, that's enough to get you through the rest of the day and not too much to cause you uh, nocturnal insomnia or grogginess uh, when you come out of a longer nap. Uh, never an hour power nap because then you're waking up in deep sleep and you'll be groggy for the next two hours. 
but 15 to 20 minutes, 30 at the most, or if you have the time, a full 90 minutes, which is a full REM cycle, a full sleep cycle. And all the specifics of, of how to do that are outlined in, uh, I think, in all of my books. Uh, I do have certain helpful handy hints, like if you're at work and you're tired and you want to take a power nap, but they're not allowed, they're not a forward-looking company <laughs> like Google, for example, that has nap pots. To yeah, I've heard pods. of that. Uh, you know, if your head is down on your desk and the boss comes by and he taps you on the shoulder and, uh, you know, kind of, what are you doing? Uh, before you raise your head, just say fairly loudly, amen. And then lift your head up and say, now, what is it, boss, that you want? <laughs> and so we, we, we list a lot of clever things. That, <laughs> that will permit you without getting into trouble with the boss uh, that will permit you uh, that rest. I don't know how many bosses I don't know how many bosses say to their workers yeah, what do you mean you need eight, hour, eight hours of sleep you sloth look at me I got five Yeah. well uh, you can say very quietly under your breath now I know why you're such a jerk <laughs> and I'm not going to have to put up with you much longer because you're going to die. And um, unfortunately, Tina, that's true. You know, I hear, I hear right now, and I used to hear President Clinton and and uh, brag about how little sleep he needed. And I have pictures and video clips of him falling asleep uh, on the podium in meetings, at ceremonies. And then when he wrote his autobiography after he finished being president, and he was a good one, but after he finished, he said, every stupid, serious mistake I ever made. And he's talking about Lewinsky. He's talking mm -hmm. about barking back at reporters. He said, was when I was seriously sleep deprived. And guess what? He had a heart attack. Big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're hearing the same thing out of... Uh, the amazing and amusing uh, the Donald right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Trump is bragging about that he gets four hours of sleep. I don't want anybody holding his hand on the atomic button who has four hours of sleep. Yeah. He's fooling himself. Yeah. Uh, he's running on adrenaline, and uh, he's going to get himself into serious trouble cognitively, performance-wise, and health-wise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I guess it makes total sense. We'll see if he uh, if he says the same, makes the same statement in a few years. Um, <laughs> so for runners uh, who you know, I know this is a question a lot of uh, runners are curious about. If it's uh, the night before a race, uh, most runners don't sleep very well. We're very nervous and kind of thinking about things. Um, is it still? Has your research found that we can still compete well without that night before? Um, you know, we've read it's the two nights before. Is that true? What have your uh, findings been about pre-race sleep? Oh, that's a wonderful question. <clears throat> Typically, the night before, believe it or not, is not as important because you're gonna, your adrenaline's going to be running, and you can get away with, you know, maybe it's not the greatest sleep the night before a race. But the question is, how are you doing usually? Like, um, how have you slept the week before your race? Uh, at least six days of really good sleep before the night before a race are requisite 
for top performance. So it's, you know, it's like saying, what if I'm a couch potato all week and just do my running on the weekends? Mm -hmm. Or what if I pig out all week but diet on the weekends? It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's good. And then what about uh, thinking about, you know, runners are told to stay hydrated and we want to keep drinking water, but does um, getting up to go to the bathroom to uh, like go pee in the night, does that affect you? Like if you, if you wake up uh, in between cycles and you get up to go to the bathroom in between, does that disrupt things or is that okay? It's fine. Okay. Uh, as long as you can go back to sleep within 10 minutes, okay. don't even worry about it. Okay. Don't even think about it. Okay, that's good. I'm just thinking pre-race. I know that I tend yeah. to stay hydrated and I know a lot of runners do. Um, and then, so just a, just a few more things, uh, just little things that I wanted to kind of ask about. Um, you had um, in your book about the four golden rules. Could you just uh, kind of go over those briefly and then uh, for sleep? Uh, yeah, I think actually I, I did mention those maybe oh, just those in are, passing. Okay. But determine determine your sleep need and meet it every night. Rule of thumb, at least one more hour from what you're getting. And ideally, as close to nine, no matter what your age is, as close to nine hours as you can get. Um, so that's rule number one. Two, regular sleep-wake bedtime, Monday through Monday, including the weekends. Uh, number three, one long block of continuous sleep. And number four, make up for lost sleep. Okay. One of the most devastating research articles or findings ever to come out in the world of sleep research came out about two months ago from the University of Pennsylvania medical researchers. They found that sleep deprivation actually kills brain neurons having to do with thinking that cannot be replaced. So we see all these television ads of don't take drugs, you're frying your brain. Well, don't get sleep deprived because Mm -hmm. you're doing the same effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're you're frying your your brain. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just just can't afford to... uh, to live like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of their, maybe I'm sleep deprived this <laughs> afternoon. Uh, there was one more point that, uh, that I wanted to make that I thought was critical. Well, maybe I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't want to hold you up for too much longer as uh, I know you, you know, uh, I'm sure you've got other things to be doing, but um, I just wanted to uh, kind of go over that kind of brought back how much, how important this is. So any runners listening, this really is uh, something you really should put a priority on. And uh, do you have any last minute thoughts on, you know, how to, if someone is, you know, uh, letting their mind kind of run, especially uh, I'm thinking about like, if, if you've had a good race and you, you know, you're kind of staying up because you're excited and are there any, um, specific strategies you have for kind of switching your mind off? You know, we've heard of like counting or, um, you know, listening to your breathing. Is there one that you found particularly effective? Uh, Counting backwards, (laughs) counting sheep is not effective. Okay. Uh, You you want to use some sort of a a breathing exercise. Uh, You want to use maybe audio tapes with... uh, 
uh, nice sleep-inducing sounds. Okay. Um, you uh, want to do yoga if you can during the day that okay. helps sleep efficiency at night. Uh, you want your bedroom, as I said, quiet, dark, and cool, no electronics within an hour of bed because the computer, uh, the iPad's the worst thing you can do, um, and uh, video games, all of these things produce a great amount of blue daylight spectrum light, which blocks the flow of melatonin and inhibits sleep or sleep onset. So stop use of all electronics within an hour of bedtime or get yourself a, spare, a pair of special glasses that look like sunglasses, but they're not. The orange? Uh, that block the, is it kind of an orange? Oh, I bought some. Uh, I haven't really used them much yet. <laughs> yeah, you have to, not the drugstore $14 ones. They're not good enough. Oh, okay. Uh, take a look at Lightbook, L-I-T-E-B-O-O-K.com, not only for the Lightbook, but they have very high-quality optics uh, glasses as well. Okay, great. All right, well, thank I did, you. Oh. I, I did think of something incredibly oh, yeah, sure. important sure. that I forgot. <laughs> There's something that happens in our brains after about six to six and a half hours of continuous sleep mm -hmm. that doesn't happen at any other time. There's a cascade of calcium from your brain into your motor cortex that binds together all sorts of hand-eye, hand-foot coordination that is essential for good athletic performance. Hmm. You can't take it in pill form. It's got to be produced as a natural brain hormone. And as I said, it only happens after a good six and a half hours of sleep. And by learning techniques in running, in particular, we're talking about running, mm -hmm. uh, under the watchful eyes of your coach, your mentor, and practicing those techniques. And then that very night, getting at least eight hours of continuous sleep, all of those motor reactions to pull off that particular skilled performance gets transferred from uh, other parts of the brain, short-term memory, the hippocampus, into the motor cortex, where little branches or twigs called memory traces become part of physical motor skill memory. And so after one good night's sleep, after learning a new motor skill, you get uh, a good amount of sleep, then the next day your performance will increase by at least 20% and not unusual to see as much as 40% in a skill improve overnight, like uh, a three-pointer in basketball, a slap shot in hockey, and golf where you have to do only 186 things in a second and a half from the time you draw your driver back on the first tree to the moment of impact. Mm -hmm. You're only allowed one swing thought of that. Oh, yeah. And the only way you can get to that stage is to have all of the sequence of motor events, such as where your wrists are, where your hips are, where your eyes are, where your weight is, uh, in an automatic motor muscle memory. So all you have to do is start the sequence and everything else you don't even have to think about. Mm -hmm. 
And the only way you're going to do that is to get these sleep spindles, which, as I say, occur only in the last quartile of your sleep. Interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's that's great to think about. And, you know, for those of us who want to get the most out of our performance, that's something you can definitely, you know, commit to. And like you said, you do it naturally. So um, that's fascinating. Thank you. Um, is sure. There any- I, I, I am, you know, available if people are serious about improving in their sleep. Uh, I do give presentations. I just gave one to the Michigan State University's uh, not only for their football team and their six and no right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also their cross country uh, track teams. Great. And, and is there, uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they are interested in that? Is it through your website or? Well, the easiest way is our website's under reconstruction right now. So the easiest way uh, is Moss, M A A S, as in Sam, dot James at gmail.com. Uh, or you could go to sleep to win uh, dot com. I think the website is uh, is going to be up and running if it's not right now. But the best way is moss.james at gmail dot com. I will respond right away. Okay, that's fantastic, and I will uh, second that that he does respond right away. I uh, we got this uh, interview set up very quickly, and uh, I was very excited to see that. Uh, Jim did respond almost immediately, so I can I can vouch for you there. <laughs> uh, okay, is there anything thanks. else you wanted to add, uh, or any products other other than the ones we've already mentioned that you would recommend for runners or anyone else? Well, I think uh, I think a good gadget like Bedit mm-hmm. and uh, and or uh, Resmed S Plus is essential to see where you're really at, and uh, then. Uh, Go to Bed Bath and Beyond and ask for the uh, Dr. Moss uh, collection of pillows, and you'll see pillows that have been empirically proven mm. to help performance. Uh, and uh, I think if you're really having trouble with sleep for more than three weeks at a time, and you've got to go to an accredited, that's a serious word, accredited, <laughs> Sleep Disorder Center. Mm-hmm. There are thousands of pulmonary doctors who can treat sleep apnea, but they have no idea or little idea of the other 88 sleep disorders, and they can't diagnose them. Yeah. So if you Google accredited sleep disorder centers, you'll find the one nearest you. These are people who have passed all of our rigorous tests on sleep medicine, and they can help you. Uh, if you should never, and I mean never take sleeping pills, prescription sleeping pills, they can kill you. They can cause cancer, suicide, depression, you name it, uh, they're dangerous. Wow. And uh, most people don't know that because the television ads and a lot of doctors just kind of, you know, hand out these things like, like candy, especially to athletes. Uh, that's sinful. Uh, so what you want to do is use cognitive behavior therapy, which is learning the rules of good sleep hygiene, which are in my books and other books, or given by accredited sleep disorders centers. Uh, or you might want to try a, a product, which uh, I you know, do not make any financial benefit from, but I believe in it. It's called Power Off. 
And Power Off is uh, available from poweronpoweroff.com. It's not available in stores yet. It's used by major, major athletes and athletic teams to help you go to sleep at night. Uh, it's mostly, it's all natural, uh, approved for use by the International Olympic Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very pure. It's uh, much, much better than melatonin, although it contains a little bit of melatonin. It mostly contains like things like vitamin B6 uh, that will extend the efficacy of the sleep neurons in your brain without touching or dulling the waking system. Hmm. And that's critical. So there's no memory loss. Uh, there's no uh, early onset Alzheimer's disease. There's no fogginess in the morning. There's no addiction. You can take it once a month. You can take it once every night. Uh, and you get the same wonderful effects. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Those are some great recommendations there and really uh, helpful advice with how pe- how we can actually uh, take this to heart if we have, are having trouble. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners will have got a lot out of this. And um, yeah, thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm so glad we were able to set this up. Well, it's my honor to uh, help you out and participate with you and let me know when I can see the results. Yep. Great. I will tell anyone who's listening right now, if you want to check him out and let him know how you've got on when, when you've been trying this and see if you've had a difference. I'm sure he would love to hear how, you, how you've got on. So thank you. Okay. Thanks. What an interview. I don't know what you thought about it, but I found that absolutely fascinating. And it was great to ask all those questions I'd always wondered about when it came to sleep. And just how special that he gave his email address to reach out to him. I am for sure getting myself one of the Lightbook Edges. Remember, this is the last week you can enter the contest, be one of the five winners to get a copy of Brad Beer's You Can Run Pain-Free book. So you can enter that by visiting runnersconnect.net forward slash RC80. If you are enjoying these podcasts, this is also the last week you can help me out by filling out the survey to get help improve this podcast as we move into 2016. I pride myself on listening to your feedback. Hopefully those of you who have emailed me know that. And this is the best way you can show me what you're looking for. So all you need to do is go to runnersconnect.net forward slash listen, and it will be really easy and simple, I promise. So I hope you have lots of restful night's sleep in your future, and I hope you have a great week.